With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Amanda Hayes is the president of AKH Financial Corporation located at 1144A Pelican Bay Drive, Daytona Beach. Call 386-846-0658. Securities and investment services are offered through Sage Point Financial, a member of FINRA, SIPC, AKH Financial and Sage Point are independently operated. Amanda joins us live in studio. She's always bringing presents. So today we have our first, and this is the first time in my whole career I've ever had this, where somebody made, for Amanda, the Money Talk Mark and Amanda Cup. Very nice. Very nice. <laughs> really? That's the first time? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's always been Mark Bernier's show sponsored by, like, Bell South Mobility 30 years ago. But this <laughs> is by a major force in the show, which is you. <laughs> And it's beautiful. And then it says in small print, every Thursday, 4.05 on uh, 93.5 FM AM 1150 on WNDB, the Mark Bernier Show. Thank you very much. Phil and I are all recipients of this rare collectible, and it will right. not go on eBay. There's only three ever produced. <laughs> yes. <laughs> very nice. Very nice. So what's the money news today? Mark it up, and the, your streak continues. It, the streak continues. S&P and the Dow both hit 52-week highs today, so we are green across the board, and it's been an exciting week. We started off on Monday with a little drama out of China, and... Uh, yeah. The Chinese, yeah, the Chinese authorities, they released a set of regulations over the weekend that put a ban on companies that, you know, teach the school subjects and earnings and um, any any educational companies that earned profits or seeking IPOs or raising money from foreign investors. So they put a restriction on that. Now, so you have restrictions apparently on education. Why would they why would they do that? Um you know, they're a, a tricky bunch over there when it comes to their markets. But, you know, perhaps they're just trying to simply tap into the profits or, you know, force those companies to go private so that they can gain control. And the after school tutoring market, there's there's three uh, large publicly listed companies that they've got a combined market cap now of over 100 billion. And so with these regulations, they've chopped it in half over the past quarter. And they could also just be strategizing on how to increase their population because education is one of the larger components to raising a child in China and the majority utilize private tutoring, which has become really expensive. So putting a regulation like this in place could make it could make the education system more affordable that and that could potentially prompt families to want to have more than just one kid. So the the policies in China, they're very much a visible hand that influences most aspects of, you know, economic activity. And it's it's been like that for like 100 years. So whereas in the United States, it's more of an invisible hand because you just never know what party is going to come into office and what they're going to do with, you know, taxes and regulation as each year progresses because we have so many different, you know, elections. This is rather a groundbreaking announcement by the Chinese because the Asian culture has pushed education at every level in every country where they can afford it. The Japanese are like world leaders. And for the Chinese to announce this, it's it's a little surprising. 
but yeah. I understand what you're saying. I mean, there's definitely a strategy behind it. So uh, they, they've had a, a decrease in their population and they have to get more. Got to get a they got to get more people. So, yeah. yeah, that's right. They lifted the ban. Yeah. The one child ban or whatever it was. Are companies pulling out of doing business in China? Uh, you know, yes and no. The pandemic certainly caused a lot of companies to close their businesses, plus the, the trade wars that have evolved over the years. And a lot of companies still do business there. It's, you know, still the second largest economy. But any company that does business there in China, they've, they've got to be very careful. I, you know, I, I still haven't seen Jack Ma. I don't know. If he's, <laughs> still haven't seen him, but I'm sure he's around. So, <laughs> now, you know, I wouldn't be so surprised if, if he just <laughs> sort of disappeared. Uh, I, I know he popped up somewhere, but when he had that trouble when he tried to have Ant go to the IPO, uh, he was he was questionably gone for a, a good bit. So anyways, I, I want to get a little bit into earnings because this was a big week for earnings. And, you know, if we're talking about China, uh, Tesla reported this week and they've had increased regulatory scrutiny in China, but they had absolutely amazing earnings this week. They had 12 billion in revenue for the first quarter, which was very impressive because they finally have profit. <laughs> That's a really big deal for Tesla. So they did have to delay their the semi truck that they came out with. They've got to delay it till next year because they've got the supply, you know, shortages and the battery cell availability and um, it just it's putting a little bit of a, a slowdown on them for some things. And there was a lot of other big companies that reported this week, some very big, big companies on Tuesday. You had Apple, Alphabet, Microsoft, and their combined revenue for the quarter for all three of them was almost 60 billion. And that's that's like 600 million a day in profit between the three of them. So it turns out that big tech is a uh, pretty freaking big so so the markets they usually react after earnings reports oh i mean the markets are going to react always especially when you have um big earnings like this coming out like for for example apple you know apple also reported and they had their iphone sales jumped 50 percent and microsoft had a huge profitable quarter facebook reported earnings yesterday they had major income of over 10 billion but when they reported they actually had kind of a sell the news situation so yeah. that stock took a, a pull back and then tonight we've got amazon that's reporting or actually probably here in the next 30 minutes so i'm, I'm hoping for a stock split but you just don't know and Robinhood also made its ipo today today yeah yeah so it's i mean that's it's got a market cap of like 32 billion which seems a little pricey for a free stock trading app but it's you know still made a its debut it, on the Nasdaq. It dropped about a couple bucks today, so not anything too bad. And then Boeing also posted its first profit in nearly two years. And since we were talking about the drug companies last week, Pfizer uh, they reported and they had projected. I wrote this down so that I could <laughs> say this uh, number correctly. They've uh, projected that their sales would hit thirty three point five billion this year from the COVID-19 vaccine. So that would make the vaccine the world's best-selling drug of all time. And this pandemic is not quite over yet. So the, the company is now trying to get that third booster shot out there. And Are, Is production in this country, do you know, for, for Pfizer? Oh, that's a good question. I, I would assume that we've got to have production um, happening here because we can store it. You know, a lot yeah. of these countries can't store it because the temperature levels are so extreme um you know it's 
it's expensive to make it. It's expensive to store it. It's Amanda, do you think a, do you think that their biggest client is the United States government? Because if all of these vaccines are being given free, they're paid for by U.S. tax dollars, are they not? Yeah, yeah. The government, uh, I think they they paid them uh, twenty four bucks a dose, and they've got like couple hundred million doses and so it's a little bit more expensive than what they got paid on previous orders but um you know johnson and johnson not having that same track record though <laughs> so um, yeah. moderna is going to come out and report its earnings the uh, first week of august so we've got a you do have a, a pretty good run up in prices here the markets tend to like to consolidate after earnings but it doesn't mean that it's going to so you know yeah earnings are great why wouldn't they be we just said you know, trillions of dollars shoved into the system. And now we've got even more stimulus in the form of an infrastructure deal. And so we had a, a bit of a agreement, uh, bipartisan senators agreed on, you know, the, it's a trillion infrastructure package and just trying to get that thing through, which is, you know, roads and bridges and, uh, major projects and, just a lot of stuff in there that they're they're trying to get through right now. So I was kind of surprised that the uh, Wall Street Journal reported McDonald's earnings were up over pre-pandemic levels, given the fact they're having such a labor crisis. You know, they attributed that to a co-marketing thing that they did with the pop group BTS. Oh yeah, and their chicken sandwich. <laughs> so really? you've had some uh, major increase in uh, food prices. And chicken is certainly one of them. So, and the cross promotion I'm, I'm noticing between restaurants and movie theaters to get people back into the theaters, like dinner and a movie. Yeah, that's going to be like the, the industry standard. I can't tell you last time I went to a movie theater. It's it's going to be tough to to get them back in there after what's you know kind of occurred. And I mean they they've got all types of different things for marketing to try to entice people to come back in. So that's certainly one avenue that they could use. And Do you worry about a cooling of the economy because of the COVID news? Because of the Delta variant? Um, I mean, not entirely. I mean, it's certainly something extremely serious. I know a lot of people that are, you know, that have gotten it, some that have passed from it, and they've, you know, in the hospital currently because of it. So they're going to have a big push obviously the president came out was it today with like the hundred dollar um yeah. incentive for the vaccine and um you know i don't know how many minds are going to change for a hundred bucks if these people are digging in their heels that much you think they will well, i'm getting I mean, that amanda yeah. look this is, uh oh they will you start throwing money into the equation and you can certainly you know make some things move but you're going to come into midterm elections and they're going to need something to shake up the playing field to you know sway to the to one side or the other. So it's always a, a political posturing when it comes to how they need, you know, people to vote. Okay. Along with Amanda Hayes, before we get to uh, the Jerome Powell speech, take us a little bit through, and I know you've told me it's, it can be complicated, REITs. Why did they get a bad name? And, and as, in essence, what are REITs? Is it a group of investors or a group of properties? I thought you were going to ask me about Putin there for a second no. from your previous. Yes. <laughs> you know, you were you were doing that that segment on it. All I could think of was him riding on the horse. Yeah. You know, shirtless. Shirtless on the horse. <laughs> I did a book report. I did my thesis in high school on Stalin. Did you really? Yeah. So I mean, it's it was very interesting to hear her talk about you know just the uh, 
just about him and the uh, and Russia. And so it was it was interesting. Rebecca so. Koffler, who's a part of the National Security Council at one point working for them. But anyway, now you've got to have me on Stalin for the rest of the day. I do have to ask you about that before you go, because I'm fascinated about that leadership change. Yeah. Okay. Um, so REITs, yeah, they're real estate investment trusts. So they're they're classified as alternative investments. And what it is is essentially, uh, it, it's kind of like a like a IPO or a SPAC because you have a company um, that has a ton of money and they're able to purchase all these different real estate investments and then they sort of combine them into um, the unit trust. So that's, that's hence the name, real estate investment trust. So they're all combined together and then, yeah, you have different levels of being able to take income from them. What investors tend to like about them is the way that they collect income from them is a bit more tax advantage because you're essentially being able to take advantage of the depreciation. Now, these are not in publicly traded ones, but you can get a, you know, a, an L, a limited partnership. You can buy them in, in like an alternative investment and you can take advantage of that depreciation in it. So those are things that investors like, especially when you have huge gains in real estate and you want to be able to 1031 it into a property. But let's say you don't know what you're going to buy. So mm. a lot of these companies have packaged these 1031 products that you can take your property and put it into a qualified intermediary and then get it into one of these trusts so that you can defer those gains and kind of play that 1031 game of deferring your tax over and over again. And in, in the last year or so then they develop the opportunity zones and so now people are able to invest in these opportunity zones and if they do well you know they don't have to pay tax on the gains at all well they, they still have to pay tax on the 1031 part but the actual gain of the real estate inside of the opportunity zone they don't if they're able to hold it for i believe it's a period of 10 years so they've wow. been very attractive investments for investors. So if you're in a real estate development that hasn't been developed yet, you have, and it's a REIT, as they add, say, restaurants, hotels, I'm just talking from a real estate standpoint, you might not have to pay taxes on the increased value in that development zone? Right. Now, now opportunity zones are not exactly the most glamorous locations, <laughs> hence why they're called opportunity zones. Uh, under-realized, uh, the, these are under-realized areas? Underdeveloped areas, yeah. But I mean, there's there's one right on Clyde Morris, just a, a little a little ways uh, uh, south up there, and you can see them. You'll see big signs for opportunity zones. The ones that you know we've we've got that have been packaged together are in different states around you know the world, and they're they've been very advantageous to investors, especially the way that the real estate has grown. So those are things that they can do. They're strategies to be able to defer those gains. Okay. So they have been, they've been some good plays, but you know they're not all created equal. Some of them have gotten some really, really bad names and raps, and it's just you got to be careful about which ones you're going into and just what's the credibility behind it because not all of them have to have, um, you know, regulation. So they're all a little different depending on which one you're going into. But there's a lot of creative strategies that have been developed in, in investments. One follow like always. If you have like a four corner situation where each corner is going to be a store or a gas station or a CVS or something like that, before it comes to full realization of what's on that real estate, could that be a REIT? Well, yeah, there there's plenty of, of REITs out there that are, 
you know, the the corner markets and they've got a, a bunch of different properties in them. Um, there's, they have the grocery store ones that are out there. You've got ones that are, you know, medical centers and senior housing. And, uh, you know, those are really popular ones, senior housing and medical and grocery stores. Cause usually you'll have a plaza and you'll have the main anchor is one of those grocery stores. And so you're going to want to find the ones that have 90 to hundred percent occupancy and they can increase their rents and that's how your income from those investments slowly starts to go up because they have the ability to increase the rent. So they've had to change them structurally because of the way that um, uh, companies were sort of not being as transparent with fees. And before they used to front load them really heavy. So it, it took a good bit before you were able to uh, you know, get your investment out of them and a lot of them needed to IPO in order to get your liquidity out of it. So they can be a little complicated, but, and you also have to be an accredited investor traditionally to get into them. So you'll I won't need be to getting have into a, it real soon. <laughs> you'll, you'll need to have a, a good sized chunk there. Okay. Jerome Powell spoke yesterday <laughs> about interest rates. What'd you think of his speech? <laughs> um, you know, it's just a continued disconnect of a story that, you know, the Fed says, we need emergency measures to support the struggling economy. And then corporations say, holy Hannah, look at these record profits. Things have never been better. So <laughs> it's just, I mean, I think it's game over. It's, it's Occam's razor. You know, the simplest explanation is often the best one. And central banks just can never extract themselves. And whether they ultimately end QE or not is really besides the point because they'll just find different ways around it through different programs or stimulus or spending. And Jerome Powell's been running on the same theme of just offering absolutely zero specifics because either he just doesn't have a plan or he wants to maintain flexibility so he's not held accountable. Or I can never follow him when he speaks. Yeah, it's like if he opens his mouth, does anything come out? I mean, it's It's a tongue bizarre. twister. <laughs> I just don't think he, he just doesn't want to upset the markets. And, you know, I, I said it a few weeks ago that at this point he's just going to have to redefine what transitory means. And sure enough, that's what he did yesterday and tried to say that, you know, listen, transitory, It's it's it really just means that prices are they're they're not coming back down i'm like what that huh that's, hmm. <laughs> that's total <laughs> okay so i mean there's just there's zero precedent for this much combined liquidity except that they're trying to inf inflate the stock market and the housing market and that's really what bernanke had been saying since 2012 is is that you know asset price inflation is really the fed's true policy and it just creates this this huge wealth gap this huge wealth gap <clears throat> and so it's it, this bubble's gotten so big that they just can't risk popping it because it would be this catastrophic reset and the entire system now is is kind of predicated on this debt expansion and and cheap money to sustain it so it's you know asset price inflation for the rich and then consumer price inflation for the poor so it's like saying that, hey, your weight gain is going to be transitory, but you're still going to be fat afterwards. <laughs> That's very <Say> good. <laughs> Before I go to Joe's what? phone call, how long has Jerome Powell been in that position? And, and do you think he's going to stay? Boy, I mean, he, well, he's he's got a, a up for re-election in February. But I mean, if he's smart, he'll gracefully exit and let somebody else deal with all this because it would be a pretty brilliant financial decision for him. You know, he could get out of there and exit all his, you know, stock portfolio and then make a killing on the speaking circuit. And 
he'll probably get a book deal or something. You know, he could probably call it billionaires in space or something. And, <laughs> you know, how I made uh, the 1% richer. And, you know, given that whole Occam's razor, it's maybe that's the most obvious answer for him. Did you say outcome razor or Occam's razor? Occam's razor. What is that? It, just that the, the most simplest solution is obviously the, you know, the best one to choose. Wow. I'm glad you educated me on that. I must have been sick that day. when. I came. <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Um, is it a seven-year term? Um, I think it was only four years he's been in there. Four. Somebody, I guess it's yeah. Federal Reserve Board Chairman. I was reading something that said. I think they're both a, four. Yellen just got in there. So it's either four or six. Oh, gee. All right. In the meantime, let's take a quick question from Joe in Ormond Beach. Joe, you're on WNDB. Your question for Amanda Hayes. Yes, Amanda. I was considering buying some gold, and I don't know even know what gold is worth today. And as, do you think that it would be a good investment to own? Hey, Joe. I think gold's around two thousand an ounce right now. It was eighteen last I checked, so I wouldn't doubt it's two thousand. Yeah, I think it's gone up just a little bit slightly, but you know, traditionally it's a hedge that people use against the markets and. There's all types of different ways to, you know, own it. The only thing I can kind of say about it is that, you know, we're not going to go back to the gold standard. So it's already really high. And if we have some type of a, a crash coming up here, then, you know, yeah, it's going to be valuable because of just that. It's a hard asset and it's, you know. Do you get posed that question by clients a lot about buying hard assets like gold? Yeah, I mean, I I would typically recommend like a real estate asset or something, but I've definitely have clients that purchase gold and the bullions and, um, you know, jewelry, different things. Yeah. Every time I see one of these Hollywood celebrities pushing gold on TV, I always <laughs> tap my wallet saying, no, not yet. Um, <laughs> when does the Fed meet again to discuss things? Oh, well, they got Jackson Hole coming up in August. So, I mean, even if they announce some sort of roadmap on tapering, I don't think it's going to happen this year. And you're likely going to get a little bit of a correction. And then I, I just think the markets should just shoot right back up. So you could see a, a pullback after earnings come August. And then uh, just the next few weeks should be pretty good with earnings. When, you, when you're looking long range for clients, that come to you for advice. Do you ever stop to look to see is the service economy growing faster? Is there ways that my clients can make money in that? Like based on what the news is over a long period of time, do you see sectors of the economy changing where something will pop up as a better investment than at other times? Maybe defense stocks, things oh, like yeah. that. All the time. I mean, money hasn't been leaving this market. It's a washing machine that just kind of goes back and forth and flows to different sectors sometimes it flows to value or growth and then you know back from there but obviously when the pandemic happened it, you know the stay-at-home stocks were certainly the ones that people flowed into and you know when uh, trump came into uh presidency i mean I, I i pulled a lot out of international and that you know was uh, proved to be a pretty good you know move because they got hammered pretty bad so it's like i said that's the whole thing with it's a an invisible hand because we don't know what exactly is going to change with regulation and with tax i mean you get some change in tax reform next year you're going to see a really big shift in the markets because people are going to want to protect their gains are is a lot of what passed in the trump administration being sunset 
in terms of the tax reform? I don't think they sunset until 2026. Oh. So um, you'll you'll still get some things that can get changed, though. But they're set to sunset, I believe, in 26. Okay, that's good. And they can still they can still change some things, though. So that's going to be a really? push. And if you get some, if you, yes. And that's kind of what the Biden administration is moving towards that. The video I put out a few months ago on the seven major tax policy changes, like the step up in basis, getting rid of it, the you know tax on long-term gains over a million dollars that they want to tax them at the full amount. Um, they want to reduce the estate tax exclusion from the 11.5 down to 3.5. They want to reduce different deductions that business owners are to take. So even though they've said that none of those things are going to happen right now, which the big focus is the tax on corporations, they could still change those things if you get it through. Okay. Staying with the news for just about. a bit, because <laughs> I can able to steal a few minutes of your time here. It looks like they have come up with some kind of an infrastructure bill. They've worked out a compromise. And I'm kind of curious, when you have something like that and it goes into effect, something as big as this where it's over a trillion dollars, I'm kind of curious if that affects investment policies. People try to ride on the coattails of something like a big infrastructure bill. Does that happen? Oh, for sure. I mean, the the infrastructure bill is aimed towards, you know, roads and bridges and major projects and even going towards like Amtrak and electric vehicles, things like that. So, I mean, those companies will, you know, have a bit of uh, that potential baked in. The, the markets are, are usually, you know, forward leading. So people tend to kind of invest based on those assumptions. But um the bigger thing is that the more that they spend, the more they have to monetize it. And that's where you get this constant QE and the inability for them to taper and the reason for them to have a continued excuse to continue it. Exit question. You've often talked about people should try to get rid of as much debt as possible if they're going to invest or have at least a nest egg they can call upon if things got tough or they had an unexpected uh, unexpected expense. My question is this. You can invest. You can be guided by you and your firm, even if people have debt, like mortgages and stuff like that, as long as they have money that won't take away from their lifestyle necessarily if they invest. In other words? Yeah. The Everybody wants to make sure they have a level of an emergency fund, whether it's three to six months of their expenses, just in case something is to occur. You don't want to be in a situation where you are investing money that you are going to need to pull out within a year or three years or five years. That That's not very prudent. Um, I, I always say I, I'm not everything to everyone, but I try to be everything to the clients that I'm able to add value to that work with me and my firm. So we do a, a quick 15, 30 minute discovery chat if you're a new client and we kind of run through where you're at and if it makes sense to work with an advisor because it, it costs to work with an advisor. And so if if it doesn't make sense for you with where you're currently at, then I just I give a good bit of advice and you know, maybe we catch back up in another year or a couple of years from now when someone's in a, a, you know, a better situation that my services make sense for them. Amanda Hayes, president of AKH Financial at 1144A Pelican Bay Drive in Daytona Beach. Call 386-846-0658. Always a slice of heaven. Thank you for the new uh, Mark and Amanda coffee mug. Very nice. Oh, you're very welcome. And your event You happens. too, Phil. 
<laughs> and your event happens August the 13th? 19th. 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 Almost forgot there for a second. Yeah, I know. so many numbers flo- uh, yeah. flowing around here. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.